Hey guys, thanks for tuning in again. Really appreciate you listening. Make sure you follow us if you haven't already. This episode number seven of KT Confidential, we are all over the map. We're talking about um, RRSPs, cooking, online shopping, and Kanye West. Enjoy and make sure you subscribe. Let's just get into it today. We wanted to talk about a few things. Yes, that question we get all the time. Is it a good time of year to sell? That is probably the number one question that we get, 100%. Everyone's very hesitant in the winter to sell because they think it's a bad time. Everybody has this big hype around the spring market, and they think that's when they need to be on the market. Well, there's no question, like, retail sales and just shopping in general slows down in January, February. People don't even want to leave their house sometimes. So spring market, you know, people think, oh, the birds start chirping, the the trees start changing color maybe, and out comes all these shoppers, and that's a good time to put my house on the market. But really, is it? One of my big problems with it is I feel like every real estate agent does a post about this, this time of year. Probably. And I feel like yeah, it's true. everyone always says the same thing, although I do believe uh, the vast majority of the time it's true what they're saying. But I perceive it as real estate agents posting in the winter that it's a great time to be selling because they need the business. Like, who the hell is going to say, no, it's a bad time, stay home? Um, but I no, I do truly believe it is. In fact, January, we're quite busy. We've got a handful of new listings coming up and active buyers on the market. So, Yeah, we've got a bunch of uh, activity this month for sure. But so here's the thing. In springtime, no question, there are more buyers, right? Like people are wanting to move in during the summer vacation, especially if you have kids, you kind of try and plan it that oh, maybe when the kids are off school is a better time to move. So let's look for the house in March or April. And it's definitely an easier time to sell your home because there's no snow. Maybe it's a little bit nicer outside. So it gives you something to do when you have a showing, maybe you go for a walk, whatever. So all of these people are listing their homes and all of these buyers come out. So, okay, lots of homes on the market, lots of buyers out there. How's that any different in January? The only difference is the volume is a little bit less. So you will have less competition if you list your home for sale in January. You will also have fewer buyers looking at your home. The difference, I think, is when you do have fewer buyers, um, it eliminates potentially more competition as a buyer, right? Against going up against other offers. Right. Um, but you only need to be competing against one other for it to drive the price up, right? Like yeah. we had uh, multiple scenarios over the last few weeks where our listings or listings that we were trying to purchase for our buyers ended up in multiple offer situations because the inventory was a little bit lower. Yeah, I mean, there's so many variables that go into it. And I, I've always been a big advocate of the fact that no matter what time of year it is, it's a great time to sell. The, the question is uh, what's going on in the market and knowing what your competition is and, and being able to price and position your listing strategically given those circumstances. But 
if I had to pick a time of the year that was, quote unquote, maybe my favorite uh, or where I might see an opportunity is February. I find in February, um, you often get a lot of that um, spring, a lot of the spring buyers coming out without the inventory yet. So I find February can be a good month if you were to pick any time of the year. If you're selling. If you're selling. Yeah, you're kind of catching both waves, right? You're catching the low inventory wave and the increase of buyers coming out preparing for their purchase in in the springtime. Right. That's a good point. But I wouldn't, you know, it's not always feasible for people. I mean, if you need to, if your new home is closing in March, you probably don't want to list in February because you're not giving yourself enough time to sell and close unless you're okay with a two-month bridge, in which case you're spending an extra three, four, five thousand dollars and that might eat into those extra profits that you might expect to get. So there's different things to consider. And if you have extensive landscaping and a huge pool and you know two hundred grand in your backyard, you might want to wait until you can open the pool and show it off. There's another thing to think about though as well. If you are upsizing or are, like are you upsizing or are you downsizing? Because if you're upsizing, you're you're living in a townhome and you want a double car garage detached home, which we're seeing tons of that right now, especially in in the GTA, um, the best time to sell is right after you've found the best time to purchase. Right, when you find the right house. When you whether it's you're finding the right house for the right price or because it's your dream home or whatever. So you really should be focusing, I think, and this is what I tell most of our clients is let's focus on what you want to buy before trying to time the sale if you are upsizing. Right. Well, and that's why um, I always encourage people to call this early. Like I met with a nice couple uh, just before Christmas and they don't, their initial plan was to move in 2020, but they wanted to get me in uh, to get the process started, because although they think moving in 2020 is in line with you know the ideal plan for their family, what if the perfect house comes up in three weeks and it fits everything they want? It's under budget and the perfect location. Why would you wait? Why wouldn't you act on it? So um, I think if if the idea is in your head whatsoever, you should be act- actively watching and have started that process with whoever you're using. Uh, as far as a real estate agent. Yeah, I, I agree to what you said a little bit earlier. I don't think there's ever a bad time to sell as long as you have good representation. If you have a good realtor, a good realtor will be able to showcase the home and price it well and create a lot of uh, emotion around the home and convince a lot of people to either view the home in person or online. So it doesn't matter if it's January or September. Um, You know, you just got to make sure that it's being marketed well, especially in this day and age with Instagram, Facebook. I mean, there are so many ways to, you know, get your home out there. Um, That's what it's about. It's it's no longer waiting for people to see the MLS listing and, and drive to the home with things like virtual reality. We're going to talk about that in an upcoming episode, I'm sure. Um, And 
social media, you know, Google, Google Ads, YouTube, like all these ways that we push out our listings that so many people can see them. Um, it doesn't matter what time of year it is. Well, and for some people, I mean, every season comes with its challenges. If you don't have a green thumb and your lawn looks like shit, the summer may not be the best time yeah. for you to sell because or curb you, appeal. You have a big dog crapping in the backyard that's all right. summer. So Cover it up with the snow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or if you have a roof that's in dire need of repair and you happen to get dumped on with snow before the photos are taken... <laughs> Well, that might not work, actually, because in the wintertime, uh, the heat will actually escape and and you'll get wet spots yeah. uh, on your roof, which would indicate that there's a potential issue. But, and or leaks. And or leaks. But, um, you know, in all seriousness, there's a lot of people that just have a terrible lawn and they can't keep it up. And um, in the winter. people have that problem. Yeah, it's not fun not being able to keep it up, the lawn, that is. And, you know, if it's covered in snow, great. But the challenge is now you got to make sure that you're shoveling your driveway and creating a clear path so that it's still easily accessible. So, the, so. at the end of the day, there isn't a bad time to sell. If you're upsizing, just go out and find your dream home. However, if you are downsizing, you might want to capitalize on time of the year for your property. So if you do have, like you mentioned, that estate home with a gorgeous pool and extensive landscaping and all of that stuff, and you plan on buying a condo, um, then you might think a little bit differently about that. But for most of us out there... Uh, and so I don't even think... I mean, yes and no, I, I agree with you. But I also think, again, you... Uh, whether you're upsizing or downsizing, I guess it's just a matter of what you're selling. And if you do have an inkling that you might be selling in the wintertime and you do have things to showcase and you don't have that option, like you have to sell then, just plan ahead and get proper photos taken ahead of time and make sure you clear the snow as best you can. Yeah, you've talked a lot about that in the past is uh, plan ahead if you do have extensive yeah, outdoor features. That's right. Same thing with people that own cottages. If you're if you're a cottage owner, like I'm a cottage owner, I'm snapping photos all the time because I never know when I'm going to need them, mm-hmm. right? Taking beautiful sunset photos, photos of the lake, of the dock, of the grounds, interior, exterior. It's always good to have those on hand. So whether it's a cottage or your residential primary property um, in, in an urban area or a rural area, just... Take photos of your house all time of the, all times of the year, or maybe hire a professional. Yeah. We've seen it what it looks like when people take them. That's true. I've had clients come up and say, "Hey, I took these great photos last year of my <laughs> pool that's open on my BlackBerry, and can you put it in the photos on the listing?" No, not happening. Yeah. So um, it's pretty hard to believe that next year is twenty twenty, right? You said that. Slow down. Of, like last year flew by. Last yeah. year flew by. It's only January. Well, it's 2019. This year, I think, is going to be very busy, very fast. Um, a lot of changes and many things. One thing I wanted to talk about, actually, um, well, I didn't even ask you. We're, we're already jumping to 2019, 2020. How was your Christmas? We, we never really got together, and this is the... No, actually, we usually do. We still have to plan a time to get together. Yes. Well, you know, kids are sick, and... It's that time of year where... Yeah. Well, we were on lockdown because McKenna's due for 
uh, surgery, her ear, her tubes, and she missed her last one because she got sick. So we're, we've got her living in a bubble until Yeah, I know. Natalie messaged Monday. Alicia and said, uh, like, wanted to get together because we have gifts for you. And yeah, same. I'm, I'm excited to give them to you. I don't know what the hell they are. Oh, shit. No, no, this, this will give me time to go out and buy you something. <laughs> Uh, it was good. It was good. We were talking about online shopping earlier. I actually did zero online shopping this day or okay. this year. Wow! And I how did you know. manage that? Did you just go out to the stores and? Yeah, I saw. I, last did year, your I did wife a, do all the shopping, or I'd say ninety percent of it, but I had to buy for her, right? So that was okay. my task. And I really wasn't sure. I had a few ideas. I really wasn't sure what to get. So I just felt like walking around the mall was a good idea, and I enjoyed it. I used to enjoy it, but, you know, the whole idea of finding parking and then it depends what mall you go to as well. Like if you go to Square One, Sherway Gardens, Eaton Center, like you are cramped with. Well, I went to Sherway, but I went early uh, during a weekday. It wasn't very busy. Right. It was surprising it wasn't busy at all. Well, because probably more people are doing online shopping. So I did probably 90% of my holiday shopping. I'll say holiday because obviously we celebrate Hanukkah as well. And this year we did gifts on every day of Hanukkah plus our Christmas gifts. It's a lot of gifts. Yeah. So, I mean, we limited it to 5 bucks or 10 bucks a day uh, for Hanukkah and then... Um, you know, of course, Christmas is a little bit different, but um, so stocking stuffers, you know, uh, every night of Hanukkah and then Christmas Day gifts. So there were, and then for me, for, well, I didn't buy myself anything, but, you know, there's the four of us plus the dog plus friends and family and all that. But 90% of it was done online. Yeah. Well, I just- Amazon. It's the norm. was Alicia did all of hers pretty well all online. I see all the Amazon charges on the credit card and people coming to the door. So, but it's, it's super so convenient. Addictive. I'm telling you, it's it's convenient. It's addictive. Like at night, laying in bed just before I go to sleep. Oh, I forgot this. And with Prime, you know, it's there same day or next day. Yeah. Well, I I I think last and year was the first time I really got into uh, Amazon, and I ordered. Um, two things. I, what did I order? I ordered a beard kit. You know my beard bomb we were talking about? I ordered a beard kit. And I ordered it at like noon. No, no, sorry, it was late. 7 o'clock at night. And it was at the house by noon the next day, before noon, in the morning. Yeah. So That's what I do with our diapers and our, our wipes when I know, oh, we've run out. Yeah. No, well, I took your advice on that and set up that monthly subscription through Amazon. You get an additional discount. So things like diapers, we have coming on that program, and you get an extra 10% what, what, off. What number, what podcast did we talk about uh, Ebates and uh, uh, Honey? Number two. I don't, I, I don't know, but if you haven't number seen three. it. Number three. Number three. So yeah. go back and watch number three or listen to number three if you haven't. But yeah. uh, that's another great way to save money is but make sure you like you have to cross shop amazon yeah 
for things, I find for things like paper towel, toilet paper, diapers, uh, formula, you know, like the things you need for the kids and the household items, they're super, super aggressive on because they want to get your business, right? So I've checked, I've price checked against Walmart and, you know, all of the players that are usually aggressive with that pricing. And Amazon usually comes out, if not the same price, better. But to your point with the subscriptions, if you are using six rolls of paper towel a month, I think we go through probably six a day. But if you go through that on a regular basis, set up the subscription. You're saving 5, 10, 15% if you set up a, I think you have to have five or six subscriptions a month. Yeah. But there are so many things we use on a regular basis that you use five or six things regularly every month. Why not subscribe? Save that 15%. I save probably around 15 to 20 bucks a month on my Amazon subscriptions. Yeah. And... You know, it doesn't sound like a lot, but man, 20, well, when, 20 bucks a you month. You do have to cross shop prices, though, because when was it? Last year, 20, sorry, 2017, I was looking at hair dryers and straightening irons. Obviously not for myself. <laughs> Maybe for your beard. <laughs> eh? My beard, yeah. And um, in some cases, they were hundreds of dollars more mm-hmm. than in in other stores. Well, here's so. where it gets people and and because people can price them at whatever they want. It's just right. People on there with their Amazon right. Stores. We can go on, open an Amazon store, and sell whatever we want on there. And there's a ton of people that are buying things at dollar stores and reselling them for three, four times the amount of money online. And sometimes it's worth it for convenience if you need to, especially if you live in more rural areas. Um, or, you know, it's bad weather or you're sick or whatever. I get it. But just that random purchase because it, you know, it's addictive and, oh, that looks so cool. Click here and shop and buy and, well, check, check it out. Check it out where other stores potentially are selling it for much less or eBay. You know how many times I've hopped on eBay and cross shopped and it's like, whoa. Yeah. It's pretty crazy, but um, yeah, I did 90% of my shopping online. I found, even with the Canada Post delays, that a lot of those retailers were sending things out through FedEx and Purelater. I'd be curious to see how those stocks do in the final quarter, because I, I would think, uh, I would think they got a lot more business with the uh, delays with uh, our regular Canada Post shipping, but. Um, Um, Everything showed up on time. Everything was in good shape. I didn't have to return anything. It it went pretty seamless. And then the other 10% of my shopping was, uh, um, you know, random stocking stuffer things you see when you're out or uh, um, bought Natalie a spa day. I actually went to the spa and uh, talked to the, um, you know, the technician there or whatever. And, um, but everything else was, was done online. So we had opposite um, opposite shopping experiences this this yeah. Christmas. Yeah, Did they, you end up making a, a Christmas dinner? You talked about having yeah, some family over. I had Alicia's parents over. I made a nice lasagna. Mm. It was good. I have yet to try your lasagna. I have some leftovers. Oh, oh. you sent me a picture of your big pot. It of, was overflowing, yeah. Next year I need to buy a bigger pot. That was just a meat sauce? Yeah, ragu. 
I'm I'm gonna go totally off topic here. How do you make your your meat sauce? Because I'm I'm really curious. Well, I'm not as I'm not quite the chef as you are, but um, I'm a, I'm a big fan of uh, Gordon Ramsay and Jamie Oliver. So I typically look up their recipe. So this was Jamie Oliver. Always good to follow a recipe if you don't know what you're Absolutely. doing. Absolutely. So yeah. I I'm Even not if you do. You know I don't have that same palate that you probably have. But I, you know, if I have a recipe, I can follow it very well. And, and I'd say you typically know good turns food. Out, I do, but not quite the same as you. Um, but anyway, so uh, I think it was pretty basic. It was just you know start with rosemary and bacon. Throw that, in right there. That is not basic. Most people don't start their meat sauce with rosemary and bacon. So give well, yourself some credit. Thanks. You can add that to anything, and it'll add good flavor. If Pancetta would have been better, less fat. True. And give you a bit of crunch. True. That's true. Yeah. Uh, but I worked with what I had. Right. And That's I happened good. to have rosemary and bacon. Cool. So I had that and then um, half pork, half beef, and your typical vegetables, some onions, You carrots, mix the pork and celery. the beef just so it's not as dry? Yeah, I find or the, more flavor. Just or? add some more flavor with the, yep. the pork. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so I mix all that, a couple cans of tomatoes, a bit of water, simmer it for, actually it was like almost three hours I was simmering it. And that's key too, letting it simmer for a long time. What kind of tomatoes? Just canned plum tomatoes. Plum tomatoes. I yeah. leave them whole. whole. Yeah, yeah. They break up by the time you're done. They're gone into the sauce. And uh, then a, a have you tried the San Marzano tomatoes? No. It's no. worth worth the extra money. Okay. Yeah. I will take that into consideration next time. But you know what? So we went to uh, Costco the other day and bought a lasagna because we wanted a lasagna. It was ten bucks and it was pretty good. My lasagna probably cost. It definitely cost more than that. Between the cheese, I bought nice old cheddar, and I also had a, a par- nice Parmesan. And the cheeses cost more than $10. So I didn't, like, calculate it out because I didn't obviously use Nothing beats home cooking, all of though, the ingredients. Like. No, I agree. But it's uh, Costco's not bad if you're in a pinch and you need something. It's still reasonable. When did you go to Costco? Actually, we didn't. Somebody we knew was going. We asked them to pick it up. Oh, okay. Yeah. I haven't been to Costco in a while. And we didn't have to pay delivery fees. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the other thing I wanted to talk about, because it is a new year, and I am really zoning in and focusing on getting our clients um, in that investing mind, because I think it's a great year. I, I think 2018 was a great year to invest in real estate, but I really believe 2019 is a good year to lay some foundation and fundamentals in terms of your real estate portfolio and having investments. And one thing that I'm an advocate of that, you know, it can be debated so many ways, especially if you have a higher income level. But, um, you know, as Canadians, we've been trained and financial planners are, are going to either love or hate me for saying this, probably hate me because they won't make any money. Um why do we continue to put money in RRSPs? Like if, yeah. if any of, if you have RRSPs right now and you look at its performance, what is it really doing for you? So you get a tax shelter, right? So you put $20,000 into your RRSP this year and, you know, you might save whatever your percentage of uh, taxable rate is, but let's say it's 40%. So you saved yourself $8,000 on taxes this year, but eventually you're going to withdraw it and your rate might be 
25% or 40%. It depends on what your income is at that time. Like nobody can predict what our income is going to be when we're 65, 70, 75 years old. Like I do not plan on stopping to work. No, me neither. And I think, you know, anybody 40 and under has an ability to earn money very, very late in life. And as technology progresses, as social media progresses, like, who knows? Like, you could be 75 years old at home right now making a shit ton of money recording YouTube videos of cooking your old school pastas, right? Naked. Like, naked. That would yeah. be kind of, yeah, <laughs> sure. But but that's just an example, right? So yeah. we have no idea what our income is going to be as we get older. And yet we continue to put money into these mutual funds, GICs, you know, RSPs as a shelter. And the money is just sitting there. It's not making anything. Eventually, you're going to take it out and pay taxes on it. Like, why are you not taking that money and putting it towards a mortgage on another property? Because I guarantee you, if you are 30, 40, 50 years old, in 20 years, that property will be worth so much more than any kind of investment in terms of what you could put an, an RSP under. And you're taxed at a lower rate when you pull it out. That's right. And it could be earning you income if you play your cards right, maybe yeah. not in the very early term, but if you have a tenant in there, it's paying down your mortgage and returning you an income. Well, it's appropriate time of year because, like you said, this is when people are considering to do that. So the cutoff is probably March 1st, right, yeah. of 2019, to put your RSPs in. So here's my challenge to you and everybody else. I don't think you put any money in RSPs anymore. I haven't for a while. But if I had, if I take the money I put into it, and if I had redirected that into real estate, I would have, I would say, made five times as much. Well... That's what I did with the cottage. Like our mortgage payment is less than two grand a month. Between two people, it's really easy to say, oh, let's put five, six, seven thousand dollars a year into our RSPs. Yeah. You cut back costs and you, you, you save money and you think, okay, I'm saving for my future, I'm saving for my retirement. But are you? Well, on the right property, too, won't cost you much to carry. So if you're 20 years old, you want to buy your first property, great. You bought it. You move to the next investment. You want to buy a rental property. Why would you ever need an RRSP if you have your first property and now a rental property? Those properties in 30, 40, 50 years, like you... You see some of these ads that were kicking around in the 60s or you talk to your parents or your grandparents and how much they paid for their home. And yeah, the market's going to go up. It's going to go down. But over the long run, there's only so much land, lots of immigration. Yeah, Population is always increasing in, in the big urban areas like in the GTA. Well, and people have been saying it for years. I'm going to wait. Market's too high. It's... It's not a great time. So I think people that are considering and need to look at the option. I think probably the reason a lot of people don't is because it's just RSPs is what they've been taught and what they've been right. told to do. It's the only. exactly. That's how you retire is your RSPs. 
So you have to put money in there. People, I don't think people have been exposed to a lot of other options. But at the same time, I don't think people truly understand how RSPs work and how the market works. So they rely on their financial advisors who obviously won't look at real estate as an option. Maybe REITs, perhaps. Um, but anyways, that's a whole other topic. Well, and just like us, I mean, we don't make money if somebody's buying an RRSP with a bank, and the bank is not going to make no. money if, uh, well, although the banks will make money on the mortgage and probably yeah. more, but uh, the financial planner is not really benefiting um, from having you not put RRSPs in there. But here, I'll, I'll make an offer right there to anybody right now, to anybody that's listening or watching. I will sit down and do a consultation and not this bullshit, oh, free consultation like you're used to with a normal realtor. No, no, I will sit down with you over a cup of coffee and give you the insights onto what I do. Because I don't believe in RRSPs. I believe in certain protected investments, like a GIC might be a good way of just hanging on to your money and letting Well, it there's no question that it's good to have your money in different areas. Yeah, you need to di- have a little bit a bit. of diversity. Yeah, 100%. But I will sit down with anybody that wants to and actually do a step-by-step analysis of how you can take RSPs and how it would affect your taxes, your savings, et cetera, et cetera, and redirecting that into owning property, into owning real estate, and what that might look like and compare them head to head for your own individual portfolio portfolio I will teach somebody how to do that whoever wants to come and sit here in the studio with us yeah well and it's as when you're starting off you don't have a whole lot of money to be able to be diverse either so i think when you're younger and you don't have that money and you can afford to take the risk you should Pick something, be comfortable and confident with it, and go all in. You know, we're not Kanye West. We can't go and buy our wives Speak for yourself. $100,000 in stocks in five or six different companies. That's what he did, I think, in Christmas of 2017. And uh, But, you know, once you establish yourself, you have more flexibility. You can go more diverse. So in the beginning, uh, pick something you're comfortable with, something you know, uh, and just really go all in. There you go. So that was episode. What episode was this? That was number seven. Episode seven. Yeah. Hey, guys, that's it for episode seven. Thanks again for listening. Hope you're enjoying the podcast. Uh, If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe or follow or like or whatever on whichever platform you happen to be listening. And we will chat with you again next week in episode eight.